child opera star, Wall Street billions, and a waterfall mansion. Today on The Pursuit, Kate Shin. Welcome to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Richard Lee, and today we sit down with Kate Shin. Kate is the owner of the Waterfall Mansion and Gallery on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And I've been there a couple times, and I've met Kate a couple times, and every time I got to know her a little bit more and hear more of her story, it's just remarkable as to how God has been moving in her life from the very beginning. Kate is a Wall Street financier turned real estate entrepreneur. She is a developer turned fine art gallerist. I mean, she's done so many things and done all of them really, really well. But it's when she found an old carriage house on the Upper East Side of Manhattan that inspired her to develop that property into a multi-million dollar mansion. And when I say multi-million dollars, I'm talking like 30, 40 million dollars. But what started out as an investment property has now turned into a house of prayer and a healing sanctuary for artists. At a very young age, you were an opera singer uh-huh. on TV in Korea. Uh-huh. So how good were you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting question because now I actually really think back. I don't think I was really a great singer, but I think I was a great performer. Mm. So I don't think I had the greatest voice. But when I was on the stage, I was just so happy that people watch my performance and I see the joy you know, from each one of them. And that really um, excited me. And that's when I felt, oh my God, I could trust this. Mm. So I could go all the way. Yeah. So that's how I performed. Uh, and actually that joy actually became a fear. Okay. Uh, when I went to this very competitive gifted art school, no longer there was a joy. You know, people you know, jealousy and a competition. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was just, I was, I was scared to be on the stage. How old were you when that uh, I, well, That's when I was like 12 to 13 to 15. And, and, but I didn't want to disappoint my parents because I'm, I was always a girl that likes to please, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of my personality. Like that's in DNA, I guess. Yeah. So I, I, and then they, you know, my parents spent a lot of investment on my vocal, uh, you know, lessons and, and I didn't want to disappoint them. And I had this fear that I didn't want to sing anymore. You were afraid to tell them. Yeah. I didn't tell them because I didn't want to disappoint them. I didn't want them to worry about me. So I remember I sat down on a playground and I said, I don't know what to do. This fear, I'm standing in the gap. I cannot be practical. Like once I go all the way, trusting my emotions, you know, and being a feeler, like every evening I had to get my math assignment done. I had to get this practical done. Right. And I had a tutor that she was always worried that because I'm not focusing. Yeah. So without fear plus the fear that I don't feel the joy anymore, that really scared me and I didn't know what to do. So I remember I prayed, God, please take my voice away so that I have this legitimate reason. Right. There's no way to continue. That's what I did. And God took my voice. So what does that mean? So I had this um, 
You know, like when you were a teenage, yeah. you know, teenager, uh, you get your voice changed. Yeah. Right. And as a woman, it came earlier and I never got my voice back. So your voice, as you sort of went through puberty, yeah. your voice changed mm -hmm. enough that you could no longer sing opera. No. No. Wow. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody and, and I just lost voice. Yeah. That was how this kind of chapter of my you know, little opera singer ended. And then I said, I want to just study it because all my life from when I was a little girl to all the way to 16, I was just singing all my life. Did you miss the performance part of it, being able to bring joy to people? Um, see, that's the interesting part. So I'm going to, uh, that's, that's when I came to New York. I came to New York when I was 16 after I decided that I'm not going to continue singing. By yourself? So my, with my sister. My sister was already in the United States. How old was your sister she was only a year older so 16 and 17 year old came to uh -huh, new york city yeah <laughs> and i went to united nations international school okay. of course my mom stayed with us half of time yeah so i i studied really hard to you know to get into so-called normal liberal arts yeah. school and then uh, my father uh passed away uh when i was on freshman year okay. in college it was a heart attack and yeah. he was he was a big businessman um also, uh, he was, uh, he was rock. He was a big figure. Um, the baby of the family, Yeah, you know? And, um, so that traumatized me Yeah, and he had a heart attack. So I didn't even have a time to say goodbye. Right. It was, sudden. it was exactly. So that's, that was when I told myself, okay, I don't want to be sad. And emotion is bad thing. <laughs> it makes you sad and you, you don't, you know, it doesn't help you to get things done. Mm. Kate, you have to be independent, strong. Winning is to get things done. Yeah. I decide to cut all my emotions that makes me sad or emotional so that I can get things done. Uh, so I cut music, I cut TV. I, I stopped everything that makes me emotional. Really? Yeah. I lived like that for 10 years. <laughs> and would you say now... Looking back, it was because you didn't want to enter into the grief of your father passing? Yeah, that, but also it's a trauma where nobody ever, or I never learned how to process my pain. So so I only learned how to push really deep down yeah, this deep yeah. grief, right? Yeah. And then, you know, I want to please my mom. You know, I want to be proud girl. And for me to do that and make her happy and make her to be proud of me, I have to be independent. I have to be successful. I have to be, um, you know, strong. So what do I do? Well, yeah, you go to Wall Street and you become successful. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of where I was. So after the college, I went straight to the Wall Street and I worked in finance world for 14 years. Wow. Yeah. So that was my career. Yeah. I have a two masters in finance. <laughs> <laughs> so that says a lot. Yeah. So you go into to Wall Street mm -hmm. and into finance. And did you feel like that was that was it? Like that's going to be your career? Mm -hmm. And I was good. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I was really lucky. Uh, now I think back, it was all God that uh, I was one of a few Asian women in private equity fund, uh, you know, had overseas over 30 billion US dollar fund. And yeah. I started the uh, Asia fund where we dedicate, you know, this direct investment uh, into Asia, uh, you know, for the real estate part. Billions of dollars went out if I decide to invest. Yeah. And also I was always, um, I always had this entrepreneur uh -huh. in a spirit. Yeah. So I did, did not want to 
you know, work for someone else, although it's grand and it's a big, but I actually wanted to uh, do my own uh, fund. Yeah. So I quit and then I start my small real estate boutique fund. And that's, um, that's how I, uh, you know, started this waterfall site. It was uh-huh. a part of my uh, investment and uh, construction. So you're starting your own fund and it was in real estate? Yeah, it was uh, all real estate in New York City. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then you're looking at real estate opportunities mm-hmm. and you see this property, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, this property yeah. available on the Upper East Side. Yeah, I was always just the investor, like meaning that I was always monetary partner behind the kind of curtain. But now that I, I run my small real estate you know, fund as an investment, I'm going to actually develop my own property as well. So yeah. I'm not just going to be an investor, but I'm going to start you know, developing the property as well, constructing, designing and all that. So the first site that I chose was this one. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I had other, other investment, you know, in other properties, but the first site that I decided to actually build and develop was this one. Wow. And what year was that? It was 2008. 2008. Yeah. When I came to this old carriage house site, lived by two, you know, artists, two generation of artists, family for 120 years here. It was filled with all this little marks and beauty mm. of artistic. It's like artistic heritage that was just so beautiful here yeah. that I wanted to respect that. Something hit my heart. I think that's probably the first time now that I think back uh, when I saw this site. I think that's when I had this heart and I was connecting my heart to the project, which I never did before. This was the first time where your heart was pulled into Mm -hmm. your investment. Yeah. And I love the history. So, and I, I actually brought a very, you know, renowned, famous architect, Toshiko Mori. And I shared the story to her that I really want to respect the artistic heritage of the site. So we want to incorporate that into the design concept and the concept of this kind of product, right? Yeah. So we, we came with the concept of marrying gallery and residence uh-huh. to respect that. So that's kind of the first design concept. Yeah. So during your time in finance, did you feel a sense of fulfillment? Because it's admittedly very different than the work that you're doing now. Um, it's related, but I think there's an aspect of the artistry that is absent mm-hmm. when you're working in finance. Were you fulfilled? Were you satisfied with that job? I never knew that I was going to do what I do now. And when I was in finance world, I just wanted to be successful, yeah. meaning successful by definition. I just wanted to keep going up. I just wanted to manage more funds and I want to perform well in number. Yeah. You know, that's really, was I happy? I didn't even think about. Yeah. And that's not a word for me, Mm. you know, because I cut off my emotions. Right. Because that came from my trauma and I never wanted to take that out. Mm. So it was like a machine. Yeah. I just never learned how to process the pain. So I had to cut it off. So that I don't get too emotional and I can just focus on getting things done. Yeah. You know, being practical. Yeah. Just like a lot of people who live in New York. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. That's really how I lived. I was always goal driven, get things done, you know, never try to even be emotional. To me, being emotional was weakness. Yeah. That's just how I lived all my life. Mm -hmm. So it's a big transformation, you know, for me. Because first of all, even this place, you know, waterfall, I built it as a part of my 
real estate investment and project. And I wanted to respect this beautiful artistic heritage. And I wanted to build a beautiful lifestyle property with a big name architect. Yeah. And, uh, and I wanted to sell to the collector and get my investment and move on. Right. Because it was a financial real estate investment. Exactly. So, but during the construction. And I have to ask, mm -hmm. you said 2008, you purchased the property. Mm -hmm. Was this before the crash or after the crash? It was actually right before the crash. So, so possibly so, the worst time. Worst time. Yes. Uh, I think the acquisition itself was not a big issue, but the problem was, you know, I spent about a year and a half for designing, sure. you know, with architect and I did the old demolition uh, you know, because I wanted to build a green mansion and which it yeah. had a lot to do with the um, strict requirements. So I could really not keep up anything here because asbestos and there are a lot of things yeah. that I, I, you know, I wanted to be really responsible. So we decided to demolish it. And then uh, I restored only the facade from the little painting. Uh -huh. So it looks like, you know, it, it was there for a long time. Right. But actually I restored it as if it was there yeah. for a long time and right. inside was a complete gut out project. So, you know, year and a half in designing for green building, all that. And then took me another three years to kind of build the whole thing. So it basically it took me five years to build this building. Wow. And going back to the crisis, those uh, construction time was when market crashed. Right. So what happened was um, the bank were all closed. So mm. this construction, you know, lender closed in the middle of construction, what I was doing. And these vendors who, who were, you know, the GC and all the general right. contractors, they all went bankrupt during that time. So I had the people taking my money and filed the bankruptcy everywhere. <gasps> no. So, yeah, so, 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 so it was anybody for start business. It was like a worst time for anyone who start a business. Right. Not because of your just your your capability it's no it's just the whole vendors business partners and bank everybody was just going out of business was there ever a moment where you were just like what have i done yeah i'm gonna give up or oh yes, like, yes this is it this is the end of my career this is the end of my money everybody told me that kate get out and then it was not just about the financial crisis but also this is all god that's why i'm trying to yeah. explain all this so not only the uh, financial crisis, but for the first time, I had this kind of personal attack, meaning the neighbors around this, um, you know, this site didn't like Asian women mm. trying to build something new in their neighborhood. Yeah. So I had the complaints and I had an inspector coming in every day from building department. So I had this unnecessary audit that put my construction start work order six times. Wow. It's not just the, the time thing, but it cost. And, you know, sure. for anybody who does construction, when you have a start work order like that many times, it's just you're losing like so much, not just time, but cost, like a money and everything. And I didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, I would get all those things and that really hurt me. Mm. So I, you know, I, I even went out, tried to talk to the neighbors, say, 
giving them my resume, I'm not a stranger. Yeah, right. So now it's the first time that I'm actually building something. I deal with the construction workers, like 60, 70 people every day. And the neighbors don't like me. Um, the, the market crashes. All the vendors, you know, go out of business. So they cannot deliver what they were supposed to deliver to oh finish the construction. So, I mean, it was not just about financial crisis, but I had my emotional crisis yeah. because I just couldn't control anything. So that's, that's the time that I learned to surrender. First time that I've learned that uh, there are things I cannot control. Yeah. And that's when I kneel down. God, I don't know. I thought that I could control. I thought I could plan things out and get it done. But nothing is working and I don't know. And so that's really, uh, I started praying again, really praying again at this construction site every morning before the, all the construction workers start coming. Mm. God guide me and help me and help me to finish this building. And I think I prayed to him that, God, I'll do what you want me to do. You know, just help me to finish this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it took me five years to finish. And now... Wow, I finished it and this property was featured on Forbes, you know, all the news is this, this young Asian woman, you know, with this high price tag or with design by Toshiko Mori, you know, uh, with waterfall inside yeah. and, and now, okay, it's time for me to market it and sell get my good investment and get out. Right. So I had a very high profile publicity on the building and people love this. So in the beginning, I actually, you know, had this many art dealers who brings Picasso, you know, Martiz, all this amazing masterpieces. Just to sell the building. Yeah, exactly. Not, it's a not to display the art. It was staging. Exactly. But then because I wanted to I wanted to sell to collector. Sure. So, so it was a natural marketing kind of strategy for me to bring this high profile art collections, you know, to, to show it and bring this, you know, people so that I can market and sell. This New York City art world is, is pretty tight. And they probably thought that I was some kind of big Asian art dealer. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and she has this beautiful space that she's showing this, all these amazing masterpieces. So that's how the people in artwork start knock on door. Really? Yeah. I think there's a sense in which people think that people with a lot of money or a lot of success or a lot of financial resources behind them, they don't experience those moments that you experienced here mm -hmm. on your knees, pleading for God, saying, God, would you please open a door? I think a lot of people just think, well, you have money, like doors are open for you, but it really is just a matter of scale, right? Yes. And it's just, there's still those emotions and those moments where mm -hmm. you're brought to your knees and pleading for God. Yes. I didn't know what to do. Everything went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like nothing was working. Not even one thing was going with the planning. I mean, everything, you know, all these things, it was just, was not working. And then I just had this emotional factors where, why do they hate me? Right. <laughs> right? right. I, I, I'm actually trying to do a good thing to the neighbor. You know, I'm building a green building. And yeah. I, I brought this very well-known, famous architect to actually enhance this blog and why are they making everything hard? And yeah. it, actually, now that I think about it, everything actually really uh, 
trust me to to expose my emotions. That's when I had to say, God, because all my life I was protecting my heart、mm. and I was good at cutting things off to protect my heart、yeah. so that I can be logical, I can rationalize, I can be practical.、Yeah. Even my own faith, I was very good at rationalizing.、Mm. But I think this was the moment when God revealed my heart. Kate, did you think about your father during that time? Yeah, I did. That's actually the 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 beginning. I think it was the beginning of、uh, when when God started a healing process. Yeah. But because I'm so good at not bring that out, whatever that's trauma, deep grief. Yeah.、Uh, God had to、uh, kind of make me back. To be emotional, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So that was the first step, you know, with this surrendering. But you're so vulnerable in that moment, financially, spiritually, and emotionally. How did you get through it? Like, how did were you surrounded by good community, or were you just no? Back then, still, I think I was alone, and you know, God had a plan.、Uh, that was my surrendering phase, and I finished the construction. But still, as I said. I was praying and I, I kneeled down, but I I didn't have a hundred percent of me. Still, I had this ego. I still had my old personality of I can get this done. I have to prove.、Yeah. You know, once I start, I finish. That's Kate. But then, because there's so much going on, that I had to learn to start holding on. God helped me. Yeah, and He helped me. So I finished. It took me five years. Got it done. So now it's a time for me to kind of throw the party and、yeah. do all this intensive marketing, which I did. Yeah. And and a time to celebrate. But that's when I hit the first depression in my life.、Mm. Interesting, right? When you were done. Yes, I thought that I was going to be so happy. Yes, I was relieved, but I clearly remember I had this emptiness. I thought I was gonna be so happy. I finally finished it, so now it's time to move on. But something didn't feel right, and I had the first depression out of emptiness. Is that because you had completed the project? No, I think it was because God has revealed my emotions already.、Mm. So when you are just thinking, like when you are just doing everything with logic and kind of the head, right? Yeah. Yeah, you get it done. You finish the one. Now you move on, right? That's how I left. But this this waterfall site had a lot to do with emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. So when I finished that, you know, finished it from the surface level, still something was missing. Something was not fulfilling, and I didn't know what it was. So that's when I. That's when I kneel down and ask God, God, if you're real, you answer my prayer and show me and tell me what my life purpose is. Because every get every morning I get up, I don't have the same motivation anymore,、mm. and I, I don't know why I have to get things done for. Wow, what is that for? Just to live? Just to prove? Prove to what? And I'm lost and I'm confused. And every morning I didn't want to get up because I had no motivation. You know, I was in a battle. You know, show me. I want you to confirm and tell me what is my life purpose, God. You tell me、mm. because I can't find it anymore. And that was a time, and that's when God sent one of my first prayer partner.、Mm. So he was artist who attended one of our. Very fancy, you know, reception. We had like five hundred people wearing 
long dresses, tuxedo, you yeah. know. And he was on the roof with his friend, and he hears God speaking into his heart. You go to Kate, speak to her, and pray with her. I bless this place. I bless her life. So he didn't know what to do. <laughs> he discussed it with his friend, and his friend was like, "Are you crazy? <laughs> you know, you have these like." all these people with the dresses and yeah. everything and she's a host of the evening i don't know if you should you should go tell her i just heard god speaking into my heart that yeah. you know i you should go and pray with you and so they're you know they were leaving i was at the door you know greeting to all these people who came to that evening and then the guy who came with him actually was one of friend who we used to listen to Bible app uh -huh, together uh -huh. and I stopped going there. So he asked me, so Kate, how come you stop coming to this Bible, you know, listening fellowship gathering? And I literally said to him, that's when I was, you know, praying God that if you're real, I want to hear your voice. You confirm yeah. my life purpose, but he was not really answering. So I told him that, you know, I need, I need more prayer in my life than listening to Bible app. That's literally how I said it to him. <laughs> and the guy, the artist who was, you know, standing next to him heard the word prayer. And then he came to me and he said, Kate, I don't know you. You, you don't know me. You know, I'm not a weirdo. And he asked me, do you pray regularly? That's what he asked me. Mm. So I heard the word prayer and I went I walked toward him and I asked him, do you know how to pray? <laughs> <laughs> because God doesn't listen to my prayer and I don't know how to, how to hear, yeah. you know, from the prayer. Can you teach me? And he's like, well, I don't know if I can teach you, but yeah, I can pray with you. So I said, can you come next Wednesday morning? I'm coming back from my business trip. So let's meet on Wednesday morning here again. And I, you, you teach me how to pray. So that was... Five and a half years ago, Wednesday morning, ever since, we never stopped the prayer. And now that has become very famous house of prayer in New York City. Right here. Six years, yes. Wow. He came and then he and I, we started praying. And then people hear about this prayer. So two people joined and artists joined. And yeah, so for six years. So we had hundreds, hundreds of people uh, stop by, you know, healed and prayed. Even this week, we never stopped once. Yeah. So that has been my journey uh, for the last five years here that I didn't know what I was doing, but my heart was connected to something mm -hmm. uh, that I could not leave. So I decided not to sell the property and I started putting everything I have just to somehow support, somehow to, to bring the joy to this community. So how did you transition from real estate investing mm -hmm. to the artist community? So when I just, you know, so, so when I finished the, the, the building, yeah. you know, the, a lot of artists community heard about this place. Right. So I had the artists, people in artwork start knocking on door every day. Yeah. These artists, they want to show their work to me, you know, to, you know, display their work at this place because we had a gallery space, yeah. beautiful. And, right. um, yeah, so, so it was just very natural and, and I actually showed actually, uh, a lot of these artwork, uh, as an exhibition 
not knowing that I'm going to do that as my professional right. career. Right. It was just staging the house. Yeah. Staging, but also, you know, when I do that, I actually plan things. Yeah. So I don't just stage it, but I actually had a change, right? Yeah. So when we even do the exhibitions change, we always had a great curator to yeah. create the exhibition and stuff. So, so people thought that I was just the one big <laughs> gallerist, uh, you know, um, so that's how everything kind of start to uh, shift. But I was never really into these names or anything. It was more about me drawn to these individual artists and understanding uh, their emotions and uh, their life, what they go through. That really fascinated me. And they're feeling uh, unsafe, right? Because this reality versus what they feel, what they are designed to, uh, you know, to do. There's such a huge gap uh, that, that this world is telling them that's not a safe place. That's exactly what I felt yeah. when I was even a little girl. Yeah. Um, but what I, what I saw was now uh, from all this journey, why God has brought me here, but feeling and understanding exactly what they're feeling. He wanted you to feel the pain and the angst that those artists were feeling because that's where you were at 12 yeah, on that playground. But I left, right? Right. So I, in a way, God put me back. Yeah. Not as an artist, but it literally put me back in a way like a mother, like yeah. a teacher, uh, like a friend who actually connects intuitively, but I'm trained as non-artist right. so that I can be a facilitator. Yeah. I can be a curator, a, a connector, you know? Yeah. So these, you know, this living artist, it doesn't matter whether they're visual artists, you know, musician, writers, writers who write a poem, writers who write play. Yeah. Why did God actually design them to be more sensitive, to be as a feeler, mm -hmm. not just as a practical person. Yeah. Why? Because God has designed them as a messenger, mm -hmm. designed them as a visionary, mm -hmm. meaning that they don't chase after the market, but they lead the market. Mm -hmm. That's why this art and culture, even the spiritual value, Theology. Those are capital. Those are clearly defined as a capital. But then the world that we're living in with the internet, you know, all this, nobody has a patience anymore. You know, everything <laughs> you have to see yeah. right away. Right. That led the people's perception of a value or the capital, unless you can touch, you can tangibly see. Nobody see that as, as a value. Your decision not to sell the mansion really became a vehicle through which you can now minister Absolutely. to those artists mm -hmm. and to give them that space. Tell me about that. So when we are dealing with these living artists, their creativity, that as a capital, that as a value, right? How do we define that? This, this contemporary art world, when I looked at it, because I am from commodity world, I'm mm -hmm. from the number world. Right. When you're dealing with the human, uh, human flourishing aspect of creative capital, your focus is in human artist. But there is such a gap. There is an abstract between artist 
and art. There's no wholeness. Mm. How are you going to talk about this artwork when you are not really understanding this living artist life and what they think and what they love and what they're afraid and yeah right so that was uh, the first thing that i've noticed something is off here mm. and that i connected that right away that oh my god everything is becoming so transactional you're trying to fit into this transactional model and treating everything as a commodity so in some ways you're saying i want to pay attention to the artist mm -hmm. not just the art that they yes, produce yes yes so we're sitting here on the fifth floor uh-huh and this is a, a sanctuary this is not open to the public uh-huh you've designed this intentionally as a sanctuary yes for artists to come for healing for healing right. everything has become so transactional so that even when we are dealing with human capital aspect, you don't invest in relationship anymore yeah. unless there's a clear return that yeah. comes right away. Nobody wants to invest in process. That's where we're living in. Mm. That's a killing this creative world. Mm. You have to invest in process. You have to invest in relationship. Why? Because we're dealing with human. Mm. There's so much potential can be unlocked for this living artist and we cannot just be judgmental with what they have done yeah because we're not dealing with the picasso how have you seen people affected by the safe space that you give them oh my goodness so we focus a lot on being rather than doing because now that everybody see artists as just a product maker, mm -hmm. so they're just the producers. So, you know, they're never being focused on being. Right. Um, there's a fundamental transfiguration, I should have used that word, from one of the artists who's not Christian, stayed here about three weeks. One of the master ceramic artists from mm. Asia, one of the best selling artists because he's a master in ceramic art in Asia, mm -hmm. very well known. And all his life as an artist, he had to prove himself because he's a master. And when his name goes out, it sells, right? Yeah. Nobody asked him really about what really, really wants to yeah. do. Um, and, and this artist actually, for the first time, he didn't want to prove anymore anything as an artist. Mm. That's all he did all his life for the first time. After this spending three weeks here, for the first time, he said, yes, I don't want to prove. I'm tired of proof. Yeah. And I'm not here to prove. I want to share what my heart says. Yeah. So there's that little shift mm. that transfigured this artist and all his artwork has changed. Wow. So, so the again, things that he's produced since then. Everything's changed now. Wow. Changing. So Kate, as you look back on your career, your very many careers, there were times where you were leading with your heart and there were times where you're leading exclusively with your head. And now it seems like you've arrived at a point where you can use both. Mm -hmm. When you look back on your life, how do you think about those seasons of your life now seeing the sort of purpose that you're fulfilling now? Uh, it's actually a very good point in, in observation where before waterfall, as you said, my life was led by head where, you know, I had to protect my heart. I thought that was a mm -hmm. way to protect my heart because I never learned how to process pain. And yeah. whereas, you know, during waterfall journey for the last five years, after the the construction part, um, I focused on my heart part. Um, and it was really a uh, very recent God has start to reveal how God wants to put two together as a facilitator and as an activator. 
So, so that's when I was convinced that, okay, God really wants to use my life and whatever he has given to me as a facilitator, as a connector, but also um, someone who actually activates as a frontier to lead whatever God has allowed me to experience. So we're sitting in this multi-million dollar <laughs> mansion on the Upper East Side and you're using it to give safe space to heal artists, mm -hmm. to give them space to share mm -hmm, exactly. their heart. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? It's actually very interesting. You know, I think God is genius. I mean, more than genius, of course. Uh, if I grew up, let's say, in art world, and if I was just talking about this art and art in this art language, yeah. probably they will also see me as, oh, you know, it's the same thing that's talking, same thing from art world. But someone like me, who has two masters in finance numbers, <laughs> lived all my life trying to prove, you know, the, you know, the value in numbers. Now I'm, I'm here and telling people that this is value. Yeah. So it's actually how God uses me and my life to actually share the story for someone who's not from our world, mm. actually using me in a way for people to get more attention. So uh, is it worth it? So to me, my life here, um, you know, it's not about art. It's not an art world. It's not just about culture, but it's actually, I, I say to everybody that my journey here is like, just like walking on water. And the thousand testimonies, you know, from these hundred artists, the people who's been here and, you know, experienced God's presence and healed and inspired and found hope and love. And mm. if I have to walk away and say, because there's no quantitative value that I can prove to this world, that's the same thing as me saying that, that these thousand testimonies are are not true right 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 and how do you define that value the stories that you've heard the way that people have been touched and transformed mm -hmm. and met god you can't really put a price on it yes on the surface kate's story seems like she jumped around from career to career opera singer wall street real estate developer fine art gallerist but when you hear the story of how God was moving in her life, you can see how God was taking her on a journey of healing and restoration, and now using her as a minister of healing and restoration to those in the artist community. It's not a wayward path, it's a path straight to the heart of God. If you haven't been to the Waterfall Gallery, you really owe it to yourself to see it. Go to waterfallmansion.com and find out more about the gallery and about the property itself. And I'm sure you're all so curious about what a $40 million mansion looks like on the inside. So I'm going to link to the Open House NYC episode where they take you inside. Thanks so much for listening to The Pursuit. I'm loving the feedback that I get from all of the listeners. Keep it coming. I'm really excited about what's ahead. Find us on social at The Pursuit Cast and keep the conversation going. Now, as we go, remember, you may not know where your journey ends but you can find God all along the path. You've had a lot of famous people come through your gallery. Mm -hmm. What was the time that you were the most starstruck? I was never really impressed by people. <laughs>
Of course not, because you were singing on a stage on TV in Korea at four years old. <laughs>